0: Hey, this is Jordan and you're listening to the Euchre Media Podcast.
1: Hey, Happy New Year, UkraMedia family. Vladimir Praknevsky here, and welcome to another episode of the Ukra Media podcast, where it is my mission to introduce you to as many talented motion designers as possible. And today's guest is Jordan Berggren. Now, Jordan is a motion designer and director based out of the Midwest with 10 plus years of experience in the video production industry. And before I play my interview with Jordan, I just want to briefly apologize to Jordan and everyone listening, because. This interview was recorded back in July of 2019, which was like six months ago. I know. It's embarrassing. I somehow misplaced Jordan's interview on my hard drive and I finally found it today. But thank God I did because this interview was just great. Jordan did a great job sharing his his journey with us. He's just an open book. He's so easy to talk to and he shared lots of good advice that I know you will appreciate. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Jordan. Enjoy. Jordan, welcome to the show and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know.
0: Oh man. Okay. So First off, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my pleasure. And um, uh, nothing crazy. A lot of my motion design friends know, but um, I was a musician in a former life. Oh wow! Um, that that just doesn't quite let go. But yeah, I guess. What, did you play
1: any instruments happens? or? Uh, did yeah, you sing? I played. What'd you play?
0: Guitar, sang. I had a seven-piece band that I used to play with, and. Uh, I gave it up for the greener pastures of motion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure you can carry over a bunch of skills from that industry to motion design. I'm sure it helped you, right?
0: Oh, completely, man. Yeah, so much stuff. And actually, uh, uh, me and Greg have talked about this in the past. I know he was the one who kind of turned me on to you. And uh, like tempo and feeling and timing, there's so many important things with animation that you just kind of inherently pick up when you spend several years being a musician, you know? So, without a doubt, absolutely.
1: That's awesome, man. Now, let's transition talking about your creative journey. Let's start at the very beginning. How did you get started in motion design?
0: I got started, honestly. So, I am, as far as like the professional side goes, I'm straight up a school of motion product, right? Nice. So, love before that, yeah, man. I mean, it's crazy what they've done for. So many people, but my career, I mean, I wouldn't have it without it. But before that, you know, um, back in high school, my I grew up and my dad had a camera laying around the house all the time because he was a video producer <laughs> back in the day. So I was like, OK, I can easily create things. Right. We had like Media 100 back in the day before Final Cut really <laughs> became a thing. And right. uh, so I would make these little videos and um, it was like something I enjoyed doing, but I never thought I'd actually make a career out of it, you know. And I got out of high school and I had no clue what I wanted to do. So it was like, well, I guess I could just make videos and get paid to do it. So I did that for a little bit. And then it's like I went to a community college to try to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and not pay an arm and a leg to be at a right. you know university. Yeah. And uh, that got me nowhere. I ended up dropping out <laughs> to make more videos. <laughs> so, yeah, man, yeah. Uh, It's been a crazy journey, but basically for the next, probably after that, probably six, seven years, I was doing kind of a mixture of music and freelance video work when it kind of stumbled my way. And I didn't really get into motion until I took School of Motion's first public animation bootcamp. And like when I first saw Joey's presentation or uh, I guess promo video for the piece, I was like, this is what I want to learn. Because, you know, like everybody else, like I was doing YouTube tutorials, Andrew Kramer, Learned just enough around After Effects, but none of the principles. And once I understood the principles of animation and it really sunk in, I was like, I love this. You know, like I finally found my passion. Okay, this is cool stuff, man. Because I don't got to go out and shoot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I can stay at my computer, you know. So, yeah, that's that's kind of in a nutshell, my journey to where I'm at now. Yeah, I mean, it could go on for days, but yeah, that's, that's well, the I'm
1: I'm curious to find out what was your first job? And what was that experience like?
0: Dude, okay. So we're gonna talk about like one of my worst moments, right? Well, this kind of yeah. plays. Into we, it. Can, we
1: can we could go ahead and start talking can about it. That? That? Yeah, I feel <laughs> that's a good start. If it's segway. part of that question.
0: Right, let's do it. <laughs> well, so I was by no means a motion designer. I had no like one thing I didn't mention before, growing up, I never wanted to be an animator. Like, no way. It's too (laughs) tedious. Are you kidding me? Like, especially back when, like, frame by frame was the Disney movies, right? It was like, no way I'm doing that. And uh, so this company that I was working for, I was living out in Denver at the time, and I made it clear to them up front. I am not an animator, but, well, they wanted to go forward with this piece. So I put together this awful little stop motion piece. And, again, like my only reference for After Effects was like Andrew Kramer tutorials of very specific uses for it, right? (laughs) So it became this long, drawn-out thing, and they got frustrated with me, and I got frustrated because I was like, I told you this isn't what I do, you know? Like I can shoot and edit a video for you, but I have no clue what I'm doing. So that was the first motion piece that I ever had, and it was an utter disaster. Like I ended up getting paid, but I know that they never used that thing, and I'm kind of happy they didn't. <laughs> you know, so that's that's like my first motion piece. My first video piece was actually my pops had just pulled me on to go shoot some video uh, for one of his pieces that he was doing in the Midwest and I was like 16. So, you know, I was behind the camera just trying to point a camera at things.
1: Now I'm curious with your, uh, the worst moment you were sharing about this animation that you did, do you still have it available somewhere or is it one of those things that you don't want anyone to see?
0: I mean, honestly, I'd love to have it just to look at it, but I couldn't <laughs> tell you like, I never heard about them using it. I, that, that hard drive that I had it on, you know, it could probably hold a total of like, you know, 200 megs or something, you know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know. I have no clue where it's at. And I'm happy for that.
1: What did you learn from that experience?
0: Man, that was a, a really weird time in my life where, so I was living back home, you know, in those wandering college years that I've talked about. I, again, really had no clue what I wanted to do. And I had just kind of gotten into this stalled position for about a year and a half where I was staying in town with a couple friends. And I've always enjoyed being more social than getting down to work, right? So um, it came right after that where I was like, I think it was about a year later where I was like, okay, I'm going to move out to Denver. I need to make a change. I moved out there with like 400 bucks in my pocket and ended up staying in my buddy's place. And it was awesome because, like, he could afford it, right? We were staying, like, right next to Coors Stadium down in Lodo in Denver. It was amazing. Nice. But that's not sustainable when you're not really doing anything with your life, right? So it happened right after that. And I think the biggest thing that I would learned was <laughs> – you've got to do your best to try to wrangle in expectations, right? Because in their world, you're a video person, at least in this particular client, you're a video person. What's it matter whether it's animation or it's, it's moving. And at the time I didn't, I don't think I pushed back enough on that. Um, And I think the same thing happens still every now and then I'll get like a direct client instead of going through a studio and, they'll think it's animation, you know, so to them, 3D, 2D, what's it really matter? Like you're making things move. They don't completely understand that it's a, it's really a different world, you know?
1: Now, before we transition talking about your best mode, I'm curious to to hear your take on this. Jordan, we have probably like, I don't know, a majority of people that listen to our podcast are young mm-hmm. kids who so are probably in a very similar position that you were back when you were attending the community college, right? You didn't yeah. know what you wanted to do. What advice would you give that person who is, kind of struggling to find their purpose?
0: So I've done a couple talks with just high school students and I tell them this. And most of the time, like it's people who don't even know what motion is. Right. (laughs) Uh, But I'd say first off, like if you're struggling, you don't know what's going on. I'd say like, take the pressure off yourself. I know nowadays um, it was definitely true with some of my friends growing up. My parents were super chill. Like, so I'm going to take my dad's route on this and say like, don't pressure yourself. You'll figure it out right now i'm not saying like sit back on your hands like i did but um (laughs) you know it it, some people it's a wandering road right Um, right it's true up completely uh up until i was maybe 25 like i had no career whatsoever other than like picking up video work here and there and just don't rush yourself you know like just try new stuff you never know what you're gonna be sparked by right because like i said like when i was growing up Animation. Hell no, man. No way. I'm not going to do that. And now I'm like, I don't know what else I would do because I love this profession and I love the industry and all the people in it. I mean, we got something special. For
1: sure, no, true. For and you know what, I love how you said try new stuff. And you know, appetite appetite comes during eating. Some you know most of the time. <laughs> just start, just get your hands <laughs> right. wet. Just get start doing stuff, and uh, the right things will come, and you'll figure it out. That's kind of how it was for me. Now Absolutely. let's. Sh- Let's shift gears and talk about something positive. Tell uh, us hold on, hold on. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, just, I just want to know because I have listened to your podcast several times. Yeah. And honestly, most of the time, it's I listened to the one you were on with School of Motion, and I was just curious. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like your. What, did you have some wandering years? Because I know you kind of talked about your journey in School of Motion, but I'm just flipping the See, table this for is, one second.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Here's, there's here. I'm gonna give you a big secret that a lot of people don't know. So, Ucomedia is, you know, uh, co-founded with. Two twins. So, you did the podcast interview you, host, you heard on the uh, School of Motion podcast was actually my twin brother, Sergey. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sergey, no, no, don't no So, Sergey and I were twins. We See, we moved to the United States and we were 12 years old. We moved from Kiev, Ukraine. We didn't speak a word of English, and someone dropped right. off a computer at our house and uh, we didn't speak the language, and the computer had like Adobe stuff on it. And uh, that's kind of how we <laughs> learned the stuff by, because we didn't have any friends, we can go anywhere. Yeah. So we just devoured that computer and we learned Adobe Premiere at the time. I'm not sure if After Effects was even on there, but that's yeah. kind of how the journey started for us. And uh, at 12 years old, we're like, dude, we're going to create this company. We're going to call it you for media <laughs> It's going to be that. the oh, And yeah. then like, you know, it was just a joke. that it was, Well, it was, we didn't think it would ever come to pass. And then yeah. like last year, so Sergey worked for Fox Sports as a motion designer mm-hmm. and a senior motion designer. And uh, I worked for uh, Billy Graham out of all people. So I took more of like the nonprofit route as a graphic designer, web designer, developer. Mm-hmm. And so together we we walked away from both of our comfortable jobs. You know we're we doing really well, and we decided to put everything we got into Eucromedia. So this is uh, good for, for you a year, yeah, year that's, and a half, dude. We've been cranking it up, creating that's courses so and products. Yeah, but during that year, dude, it's been the it's been the toughest year, just trying to find your identity. It's kind of like you were talking right. about uh, in your younger years. You're trying to find yourself. Like, what are you supposed right. to do? I mean, it's a big question to answer, right? Like, what am I supposed yeah. to do for the rest of my life? And that's why you know this is probably the the question that everyone always asks, like in their early 20s or mm-hmm. late teens, whatever. What the heck am I supposed to do? That's why I always right. curious to to find out. Like, you know, yeah. a lot of times I ask the question, like, how did you get started? Because a lot of youngsters listening to our show they want to hear and connect the dots. How did you get from point A to point B to point, you know, and and so on. So that's kind of like our journey in a nutshell, but anyway. Well,
0: first off, kids listening this is a perfect example do your research before you talk to somebody i'm so sorry about that, <laughs> no, and should, we're, no 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 no
1: worries dude I we're you had a
0: twin brother but i just assumed you're on there so we,
1: we keep no and you know a lot of people write in they think that uh they're like dude how are you doing podcast tutorials products <laughs> courses like you're in, showing up all the different events and then you're i did a daily podcast for the month of may i think like every single day i had a podcast cranking out and uh, so a lot of people don't know this but in a way we're kind of keeping it a secret uh, right. you know, just to, just to keep you know, it interesting you know
0: it, it's kind of like just imagine what you could accomplish with a biological duplicate of yourself all
1: right <laughs> <laughs> in fact that. sergey when he gets up he wasn't nab yeah. presenting with adobe and he's just like mm-hmm. i have a twin brother it's really convenient because i can be on west coast you know, i can be on the east coast in fact you don't know if it's really sergey or if it's vladimir like you know you, you just know. have to take my word for it yeah <laughs> the struggle the struggle is real man uh, now anyway man. let's shift gears and talk about you yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. let's talk about your best moments man tell us the the best moments in your creative journey man. i'd love to hear them
0: yeah well first off I, there was one thing that i just wanted to say to that last comment that you had about like i want to find what's going on is this kind of plays into the take your time kind of mentality is it doesn't have to be your final solution, right? It doesn't like what you're doing now or what you're interested in now. Like that was one thing that really held me up when I was younger. Is like, I got to make a decision. And this is going to be what I do with my life. Like, no, man, you know, find something you're passionate about. If you fall out of love with it, that's cool. You know, but okay. I'm sorry. I just had to throw that in there. No, that's Um, good. So, as far as like my biggest successes, I mean, really, there was, I kind of put it into chapters as far as like turning points, right? Because, like I mentioned, when I was in that first public animation boot camp, that literally shifted my perspective on what I'm interested in, right? Like I was just talking about, it's like, okay, now I, I love this. So, that was like the thing that got me rolling. And once I had gotten through, you know, at the time I was working with a small company here in Cedar Rapids. And we'd travel all over the place, creating videos for essentially nonprofits like medical institutions, universities. And so there wasn't a whole lot of diversity in what I was doing. And that actually allowed me time to do personal projects and really kind of build up some sort of portfolio outside of, you know, my most times mundane day job. But once that got going, you know, I'm a year just past a year freelance. So I turned 30 and I broke free from the company. And within that year, I'd say my biggest, even creative success is having a successful knock on wood, um, (laughs) freelance, uh, freelance business right now. Right. Like that to me, even though it's not completely on the creative side, like that is the thing that I'm most proud of right now, because for the longest time, I didn't know if that would ever be possible. And you know, here it is. But within side of that, like I, I used to do a lot of live event stuff um, with this former company, and so this year I had the amazing opportunity to work with a company called Colors and Shapes up out of Vancouver, and uh, they pulled me on to do this year's main TED conference up there. And wow, so, yeah, man, it was so much fun. And so I'm sitting here and you talk about imposter syndrome um, and I'm looking around at the talent, right? I was one out of maybe four animators, four or five animators and uh, three or four illustrators. And I'm looking around just like, dude, why am I doing here? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so luckily they had faith in me and uh, like I learned a lot on that project of what to do right and definitely what not to do um so that like by the time it all got done it was like two months of late nights long days and by the time it got done they had actually pulled me up there to work backstage is basically like a last minute render monkey right just like any changes we need toss them over to jordan we'll get them busted out but seeing everything come together that wasn't just my work but um, the other artists on the team work, it was such a gratifying experience to see that, especially in context of someplace like a TED event where I've always had so much respect for that institution and what they've built. I love the I, I love the entire philosophy of it. So that was probably like the coolest professional moment to date. But now I'm getting these amazing opportunities like working with Swarovski and working with Ordinary Folk. And I'm just like, man. Oh, Wow.
1: Ordinary yeah, folk, man, that's Jr. Canest and uh, Greg Stewart. Yeah,
0: yeah, man. And I love those Greg. Like, like, those like, Viva. Man, they're ridiculously tough So the best part was, you know, we we got this project that's coming out, but I'm on the Slack channel with them all, and I'm putting my piece up, and they were so generous, man. Like they're relatively hands off, right? They'll give you a little guidance, they'll lay out the brief. Of course, you get your frames, but they are so into the idea of let the artist create like you see something you feel something run with it we want ideas and so that's been it like working with them was huge shift for me as far as like oh man this may be the unicorn out there as far as clients go but they do exist (laughs) (laughs) no i mean which is no go ahead yeah
1: no, but you know the interesting thing about uh JR Kness is that he was on our podcast and it was back when he just now started The Ordinary Folk and I was surprised to hear how nervous he was. He's like, "Look, like I have now I have staff. I have I'm worried now like I things are really going to work out." And it's interesting it kind of circles back to uh, you said when you stepped out to do freelance, what was that like for you transitioning from a, you know, a consistent income to working freelance? What are some lessons did you learn from that experience?
0: Oh, well, Honestly, so, um, you know, like a true school of motion alum that's drank all the Kool-Aid they got, (laughs) Um, I am a huge advocate. And I even tell people that's not the motion design industry. I think it's applicable to anybody in the creative business of freelance manifesto. So when Joey came out with that, that was like my field guide, right? Literally the field guide to freelance. So I pretty much just followed it like what he had done. Because like I said, I used to do freelance video work. So I know exactly how not to do it. Right. So that I already felt more confident because I've screwed up before.
1: Right. So I was
0: like, how bad can it be? So honestly, the the worst part of it was I was feeling pretty good about the approach because I put a lot of time into kind of the back end that you need the uh, data, you know, like everything you have to website together and all the, the kind of business infrastructure you need. Right. I put the time into that and I saved up a little bit of the nest egg. The hardest sell was on my wife. So my wife is a nurse and you know uh, I've got a stepdaughter, 11 year old stepdaughter. And so it's no longer just me. Like it this doesn't work out. Luckily I had a fallback, but that does kind of shift things. So when I first went freelance, I was work. I would pick up whatever I can get. I will take it. I'll do it. I will, I will work, you know, 14 hours a day if I have to. And luckily within the first couple months, it just kind of worked out to where, you know, a couple motion designers pass a piece my way. You stay on Slack or Facebook groups and kind of just like be the first one to type in, hey, I'm available for this project. You're <laughs> to about, right? But that was such a big deal to me to say, okay, I'm going to figure out a process. Because animators, I think you'd agree with this. Like we're pretty process-based animals, right? Wouldn't you yeah. say? I mean... Like there's creativity, but you know, it, it it's really like for me anyways, I'd like to have a process built around that I can get to that creative point. And so it's the same thing, like I wanna figure that out so that I've got a peace of mind in my business. You know, like what do I need to do day in, day out that I can move forward in my business and have a successful enough income that I can take care of my family, at least contribute to my family. And still do what I love and have freedom, you know, and and feel like I'm building something outside of individual pieces. You know, I think that's the most exciting part is I feel like it's even though it's a business side and a lot of creatives, you know, especially real artists, they kind of get nervous by the whole commercial side of things. But for me, it's it's just a different way at looking at being creative. Right. You're still building something. It's just in a little bit different context than you know a gorgeous design, a gorgeously designed piece or great animation, right?
1: Do you do you have any advice for pricing your work? I'm curious because a lot of times when people step out, especially creatives, I feel like they struggle the most with. And I'm sure Joey covers this in his book, but yeah. when you step out and you're you just want to create, and then the the monetary part is, is usually the part that comes at least for me is the hardest thing for me, Mm -hmm. especially when you get really close to people and you get to know them very well and they're friends and you want to give them the best deal. But at the same time you Mm -hmm. realize that, look, I have a family, you have a family, right? And so what advice would you give to those that are wanting to step out and do freelance, but they're not very confident in pricing the work? Is there any, are there any resources Mm -hmm. you can recommend where they can learn more about this kind of stuff? Or do you have any advice for them?
0: Well, honestly, I'm just regurgitating a lot of things that I learned from Joey. <laughs> but uh, that being said, again, the like freelance manifesto that even though like the numbers in there I think have shifted. I mean, I don't know, it's probably two years old now or something. But the same ideas are still there. Kind of the principles of, of when you've got this much experience, here's where studios or potential clients might expect you to be. But really, it was just like having a base that um, with the school of motion. Uh, A lot of my Facebook groups and like Slack, you know, the motion and the MDA Slack channel became a good resource for just getting a pulse on where everyone's at. And I think that makes it a lot easier when it's no longer this dark, mysterious thing of where is the rest of the market at? Like, where's everybody else at, right? Because if you know where everybody else is at, you can kind of see their skill set. It's a lot easier when you're starting off to gauge where you might fit in with that. And if anything, I'd say, especially when you're starting off, go a little bit on the low side, right? So I mean, you can always build that up, but I can't remember. might have been. I can't remember. It might have been one of your podcasts. No, it was one of the School Emotions podcasts. They had how oh, I can't even remember right now, so I'm not going to even. No, there. it's okay. But, um, yeah, they had a studio owner on there, and they were like, you know, basically when we started off, this is one downside of doing that is when we started off and we had these lower prices. We basically had to get rid of, we basically had to get rid of our original clientele, because it was like, well, now when you bump up the prices, you know, they're expecting something completely different. So that's one downside. But there's so much work out there right now that when you're a freelancer, I'd say don't worry about that at all. You know, Is it like really, it's it's cool if you need to get rid of some people because you bump up a price bracket. Like that's that's cool. There's plenty of opportunity out there.
1: Yeah, it is a kind of like trial, trial and error kind of thing. You know, you got to start out somewhere, and then you kind of, especially for every area, is different. You know, if you out, you know, West Coast is there's a different uh, system up there. Well, as mm-hmm. far as like price ranges, you know, you small town, you obviously have to get a little more creative, and you know, mm-hmm. things change. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something that a lot of people struggle. I'm curious, are you uh, wanting to remain a freelancer for a while, or do you think you'll ever shift back to a, a, like Man. I'm not working
0: for a studio? I love being a freelancer. Um, when you're a freelancer, once you've established yourself a little bit, that's hard for me to go away from. Cause like I said, I really enjoy the business side of things too. You know, like and the that,
1: flexibility you have, yeah. right. You, you get yeah. to, schedule, you get to set your own schedule right. and, uh, you, that's, that's what I love about it. Cause you know, I have two kids, I have a three-year-old mm-hmm. and a six-year-old. It gives me room to do whatever I want you know and when you're yeah. working somewhere consistently yeah you have a consistent paycheck but you have to raise your hand every time you want to go on a vacation right. you have a certain you know especially I worked at uh well anyway but it, I worked at a place where I had to wear no, a I certain hear it. tie pretty much <laughs> I had to wear a tie every single day man that gets man. old
0: behind the computer too Were you were you client facing at all or did they have you behind the computer in a tie It
1: was kind of like a cubicle layout and uh, (laughs) I had my own own cubicle, a nice computer and uh, and a tie and dude, it got old quickly. At first I thought it was like, dude, I come from Europe. I love the dressing up. So it's awesome. Yeah. But then after after like two years of doing that, you're like, I hate ties, oh, yeah. man. It's, just, it's like who invented this stupid thing? Why are we wearing it? Always get in trouble. Like Vladimir, your tie is is facing 45 degrees. You don't whatever all this stupid.
0: Right.
1: So then to oh, yeah. rebel, you start wearing. Uh, stupid ties just to kind of make a point, you know, just to uh, poke fun at the whole thing. But I got this anyway.
0: rainbow, my little pony tie and I'm doing it just to spite you. you know?
1: I'm I wearing a tie. It. What's your problem? I got a tie <laughs> right. on.
0: Yeah. The struggle so was real.
1: Yeah. The struggle was real. Now it's kind of like yeah. when, when you work for yourself for that long, it's almost, you, you almost are not hireable anymore
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in a way. Right. Well, you're yeah, like, it's, yeah it's like you've flown no first class and you don't want to go self. back. Exactly. Right, right. There's there's no better boss than yourself. That's for sure. But I, I don't know. The one misconception, though, that I would say to the younger audience out there is don't think just because you have and this is exactly what I did for many years in the video world when I was freelance was I had the, the misconception of, OK, I could set my own schedule. That means I can do whatever I want when I want. And I feel like in order to be successful, you can't give into that mentality to where you can. And especially with like you having kids, which by the way, three and six, I think those are pretty awesome ages just so yeah, wait for well, another four years and <laughs> then things get interesting. But um, it almost takes that idea that, no, I can't do this because I need to be responsible and take care of this right now. Then I can go off and do it. You know, it like, it really helped me having that mentality Especially being the one who can easily slip into that like, oh, pr- procrastination, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, having that mindset of, okay, this is something I have to get done. Just bust it out and then you can do the fun stuff. That was one misconception that I had starting off. And it, it it's kind of a big deal when you're relying on yourself. You know, you can't just skip out on certain things.
1: Do you have any morning routines? Are there any systems that you follow to kind of keep you, you know, checks and balances, so to speak? And-
0: no, not at no. all. I'm an awful morning person. <laughs> Dude, um, I
1: tried to get into routines, but it just never worked for yeah. me, man.
0: Right. Yeah. And like Joey's mentioned in the past, like he's doing this meditation thing, and I'm like, you know, that would be really good for my mentality and my my psyche. And then it's like I try it for a couple of mornings or I'll try working out for like a week and it's like I might just sleep until like eight and I'll be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Rest is very uh, that's important. That's super you know? tough. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a big fan of that. You
1: know. <laughs> no, it's, I fan. started uh, recently, actually two days ago, started w- walking like after everybody goes to sleep. Cause in the morning when you get up, it's hard to just meditate and all this stuff because you know, the day you have so much you need to do and you feel like you're, you're taken away from your day. But in the evening when everyone, everything dies down and everyone goes to sleep and then at night I just, Go outside and I walk around my neighborhood and I just think, man. I walk around.
0: That's great. I think,
1: yeah. I think about like to what what's happening tomorrow, All you right. know, and that helps me a lot. It kind of calms me down. Then I go to bed yeah. and gives me a good eight. Well, not eight. I wish it was eight hours. Is <laughs> it? yeah? What do you like? Six? How, much, how
0: long do you sleep? Ah, six, six hours? seven,
1: six, seven hours is perfect. Like
0: if I can get to how that, it'd be do great. That? Oh man, what, how do many that, hours like, do you get? Eight hours, man, at least. Oh Wow. Like I can, if there's something pressing, right, it's like the, the TED thing really pushed me because it's like, okay, I got to stay up as late as I can then I got to be up early tomorrow. Like if it's a necessity, I can do it. But outside of that, I just, I can't function well because I end up just drinking a lot of coffee and then I'm jittery all day, you know, I'll try to compensate it. Uh, what time do you go to sleep? Uh, like midnight, 1130, midnight, you know. Me and my wife are, yeah, we're on this huge kick of going to sleep to Netflix shows that are all about the universe, right? Like One (laughs) Strange Rock, Neil deGrasse Tyson is my favorite dude in the world, you know? So I was like, I got to get my solid fill, like, of an hour at least of uh, some space shows (laughs) before I go to bed, and then I'm good,
1: you know? But I like your idea of walking at at night.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. no, Because you kind of get everything straightened for the next day. I like that idea.
1: No, it's definitely, it's something that works for me because as an entrepreneur, and you know that, working from home, you always have your finger on a pulse and you're always thinking about the next thing. And I have a hard time unplugging from everything. How how are you unplugging for everything? Do you have any advice for me? So that
0: works. That's a perfect segue, actually. My biggest <laughs> thing. So I had a super tough, the first six months. Do you work from home?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Okay. I my hats off to you. My first six months freelance, and I know people who can do this really well. But with my personality, it just didn't work. I was at home, and I would have no work personal life separation. It was literally like, you know, work an hour and a half on, half an hour off, hour and a half on from nine in the morning till eleven thirty at night. Like there was, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. You know, like working from home, I just. I don't know if I didn't have the uh, fortitude to be like, no, you don't need to play a game of NBA Two K <laughs> fourteen right now. which, Strong Yes, I'm still drill. playing NBA Two K fourteen, but, <laughs> but yeah. So I actually got a, I got a super cool place here in town, and it's a co working space. So I got
1: huh. my
0: desk here, and ever since I did that, it's been amazing. You know, I get up, I go to work in the morning, I get here at eight o'clock, and then I leave at five thirty six o'clock, and that's been honestly like having the physical spaces to walk away from and go somewhere else has changed everything for me as far as like removing myself. Now, of course, like when you're working for yourself, all right, I guess even when you have a, a boss, you're working for a studio or, or a corporation or something, you still got emails coming in. Right. But physically my good computer, my my big boy rig is here. And then I've got my little MacBook at home. So it's like, unless I team viewer in, it's like, ah, we're going to have to wait for the morning unless it's really important.
1: That's so um, important. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, you know, I've been doing this for a year and a half and it's true. Mm-hmm. Like every couple minutes, my kid runs in and like jumps on me and what, you know, it, it yep. does take, it takes about 15 more minutes to 15 minutes or so, maybe even half an hour just to get back into what you were doing every time you're oh, distracted. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, And
1: I, I sometimes try to get up early in the morning so I can get more accomplished. I'm thinking like, man, if mm-hmm. I get up like two, three hours ahead of everybody, then I can get two, three hours ahead. But dude, then you're tired all day. Uh, yeah. But maybe How working. How productive spaces. are those two to
0: three hours? <laughs> but
1: they're, you know, but they are very are productive because everyone is asleep. Good? Okay, good, good. So that's good. that's where I think I'm most productive early in the morning or in the evening, and then throughout the day, it's like you always get pulled and tugged. And and my my wife right now she's homeschooling our kid. Uh, next year he's gonna go to a, a, a school, but or actually in August here. But anyway, but so all these distractions is like, hey, can you go pick up? So sometimes. Maybe, maybe I need to look into something like that. Maybe that'll be uh. uh
0: well, you seem like, or do you feel like you're pretty outgoing? Uh, yeah. 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 I, I'd say so. You'd say so. So that's another thing that like, I love my wife. I love my stepdaughter. I love my dogs, but I just needed to see some other faces throughout the day too. You know? <laughs> it's like some days I literally won't talk to anybody at the office, but just being around other people really, it kind of affects my energy level, you know? Uh, it's not like we've got a bustling office—not the, you know, New York Stock Exchange or something—but it's right, just right. being around other people. Even if I'm, I'm not talking to them, just being around other people and being in a space where other people are doing things. It, mm. it really, I've found it helped me a lot.
1: Um, well, I have a, a, I go to Planet Fitness for that reason, just so I can leave the space and go work out. Good man. Just, yeah, be yeah. around. So three times a week, usually I try to go, so that way at least I can leave my space and put my headphones in and doesn't matter, you know, there are people around, you don't know them. I mean, I've never talked right. to anybody, but the fact that you're in a different space completely. and you're completely detached nobody can't reach you because you're at the gym that does, yeah. does help. I mean, you have well, to have something like that in place.
0: Oh, completely. Well, and also good on you for staying physically active because my dad bot is strong right now. <laughs> good on you, man. Um, well, I I but do. I, I, I started agree. doing
1: like YouTube videos too, like working out. Like now, when I skip the gym early in the morning, there's like a 15 minute workout where it's like high intensity workout just to get blood well going. That's my cup of coffee in the morning, man. Now I just I like like try that. to get that going. But anyway, well, we were you. gonna. Th- I'm not in that great of a shape. Trust me. I got a (laughs) long way to go. I was going to take a commercial break, but we're just going to say to heck with it, man. We're going to skip that one. And let's transition to a quick Q and a first question is how do you overcome creative blocks?
0: I just, I I do my best to stop worrying about how awful it is with whatever I'm creating. (laughs) You know, I just like try to put my editor hat aside and just create something. I might end up deleting it, but that's what I found to be the best approach for that.
1: Hmm. Now, share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success.
0: I would say it's it's probably, it's not so much a habit. I would say it's more of that mentality that we talked about earlier of, you know, I could take the day off and go golfing, but you know what I should probably do is get some emails out, get my invoices in QuickBooks, you know, all this small stuff that sometimes you don't have time for when you're when you're working on something else. That's mm, well um, said. Yeah. I think that would be the biggest thing for me.
1: Now, where do you get your inspiration from?
0: Anywhere online. I mean, God, this... Uh, Speaking
1: of online, what kind of... Uh, the next question was going to be uh, recommend an internet resource. What Which ones do you go to? Are there any websites that you visit regularly?
0: Can I cheat and just say the internet, period? There you go. <laughs> like just go I mean, on the internet. Type motion graphics, man. That'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, for like places, I love graphic design inspiration personally. So like places like from up North, even though they have animation, and you know, I really like those because for me, graphic design seems to spur ideas in my head. So I really love looking at awesome inspiration for that, but even, uh, Uh, Like Instagram, you know, I know everybody puts their best foot forward on Instagram. (laughs) Like can kind of drown you in in self-hatred sometimes, but really like going and searching hashtags, you find so much stuff that I'd never be open to as far as like, you know, actual, um, you know, oil painting and and all this crazy stuff. You find stuff where you're like, man, that is sexy. Oh my God. That's good. You know,
1: what about B hands? you, do you go to that site at all?
0: Yeah. And the thing that I like about Behance is that you, you know, not only is it just, it's more of a portfolio site, so you can get a little more breakdown. And that's what I find really inspiring is like looking at how people approached a problem, not even necessarily like what buttons they pushed, but how they approached the a problem and where their creative mindset was at um, when they came into that situation, you know. And I feel like you get a lot more of that on Behance uh, because it is kind of that portfolio site for sure. But I need to work on my Behance portfolio. God, don't go look up me there. There's nothing there. I need to work. It's on my to-do list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. We'll hold you accountable to it. Yeah.
0: Please do. Jordan, for the last question, how can people get in touch with you? So, uh, you can come over to my website, which is jordanbruce.tv. And, um, uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Jordan B-E-R-G-R-E-N. And then you can also come friend me on Facebook, um, I usually keep it pretty mograph related every now and then it might get a little political so yeah yeah okay I, I try I to stay so. out of it man I try to stay out of it a Yeah I
1: completely I completely detach from politics especially yeah. with a name like Vladimir man That's a shit Yeah you're so trouble then. Yeah. Yeah. I was like man nobody needs to know where I stand Well Jordan thank you so much for sharing your journey with us man I appreciate it
0: Thank you so much, man. It was a, it was an honor. I'm a really big fan of what you're doing.
1: All right, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jordan. Make sure to check out Jordan's website, jordanbruce.tv. Again, it's jordanbruce.tv. And as always, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukremedia.com community. We have almost 4,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you who are trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Media podcast. Bye-bye.